welcome to the first ever Pod of Tea podcast, your go-to place for tea and chats. I'm your host, Emma, and I'm very excited to get started on my first ever podcast. I believe this will be a truly delightful endeavour because it's an excuse for me to drink a series of pots of tea, something that I need no encouragement to do, if I'm quite honest with you. I'm starting today off with a green tea. Um, Because it's just me today, I'm hoping to get some different people, some friends that I'm going to cajole, they don't know about this yet, (laughs) cajole into coming on my podcast. Um, I'll be having, you know, teas in large pots of teas that I've got around the house. Um, But today I'm going to be using my Lone Wolf style pot, which is one of those um, little teapots that sit on top of a cup. So not too much, not too much tea going on there. In there I've got a green tea and that is because I've just got back from Japan, which I would advise anyone to go to. Japan was absolutely glorious and it's a pretty well-known fact that they enjoy a green tea over there. So green tea it is. I'm having mine with some honey because I've got a sweet tooth. Um, Yeah and the nice thing about a teapot that goes on on your cup is that you can't overbrew the tea once you pour it out because the tea bag's gone which is super nice. Oh yeah I've said tea bag it's not tea leaves right now. We're gonna get fancy as we go down as we go down the line. Gonna get some proper loose leaf teas but um Yeah, for today I've got a tea bag of green tea, which will be really, really nice. So, Japan. I thought this was a good excuse to talk about some of the amazing things that we saw over there. Um, One of which was actually tea-related. Now, I didn't set out to do this just to talk about tea, although I probably will end up talking about it a lot. Perhaps a drinking game in the future. How many times does Emma say tea in the podcast? Um, Anyway, what happened when I went out there was I accidentally stumbled across some amazing tea-related things that I thought, well, I'm just going to have to talk about. Um, one of which is matcha-flavoured ice cream. I don't know if you've ever tried it. If you have, let me know. Um, delicious is what I say to that. Um, Jack, my husband, didn't quite enjoy it as much as me, I don't think. Um, we both thought the great ice cream at the Studio Ghibli Museum, if you get a chance to get a ticket there, do go. It's absolutely beautiful and whimsical. Full of whimsy. Um, yeah, they have a grape ice cream, which was yummy. I digress. The matcha ice cream. I had one that was swelled with a milk ice cream as well, because I didn't know if I was 100% sure if I'd like it. And when you've committed to an ice cream, you, you're, you've you got high expectations of a very nice time that's about to happen. So I didn't want to disappoint myself. And I wasn't disappointed. It was really, really yummy. It was absolutely delicious. So that was one tea-based endeavour. The other was at the Digital Art Museum in, okay, I need to try and pronounce this. I did have a little Google on how to pronounce this area of Tokyo, but um, (laughs) not many came up, not many options, and I don't know whether it is the correct pronunciation, but I think it was an Odeba. I've actually said that like the chap on the internet, Odeba, um, which is a really cool area um, of, is it in Tokyo? It was was either in or just outside Tokyo. and it was really cool, and we weren't expecting everything there that was there. That was really poor English, but you know what I mean. Um, so we went there originally just to go to the Digital Art Museum, um, which was absolutely mind-blowing. It was incredible. I kind of, I think throughout my trip in Japan, I had certain expectations as to what things were going to be like. And then time and time again, it was things that I couldn't have even imagined in the first place. So, Digital Art Museum. Basically, loads and loads of different rooms with projections, some of which are interactive. You can interact on an app that you can download before you go, um, or you can interact by just you know being tactile and touching, moving around, um, 
I don't think there were any actually that interacted with sound. I might be wrong there. But one in installation that was, I think, I won't say the most impressive because some of the things in there were just, you felt like you were flying. It was crazy. Um, but certainly up there is one of the most impressive was the tea room. Now, you do have to pay extra to go in the tea room, but you're paying for a cup of tea, which, let's be honest, I don't mind doing. <laughs> I will always, you know, I do, I am one of those people that goes to a museum or even like later I'm doing some Christmas shopping. Oh my gosh, I know. Um, I'm doing some Christmas shopping and already I have in my head that I will be getting some kind of hot beverage to interject all of the, the crazy madness. So I do like to <laughs> plan my day around having a little hot beverage break. So I would normally anyway in a museum probably go and pick up a tea. Now it was 500 yen, which I'm not sure of the exchange rates, but I think equates to about three pounds something. So you're talking a fancy coffee, <laughs> a fancy coffee price. Anyway, so you go in and they give you a menu which have all these different green tea based drinks, some of which had milk in, some of which were water. So I went with a water based one, um, which had some, I wanna say yuzu, which is kind of like a citrus um, fruit. And Jack had a milk based one. And you go into this quite dark room and it's got loads of tables laid out and you sit down at the table and a person comes over with a bowl for you to drink out of. Um, bowl isn't the right word. It's, so it's a teacup, but it's one of those more wider, like, teacups that you would hold in your whole hand. Which I really like, because tea is basically a hug in a mug, and that really does sort of encapsulate that when you've got to use your whole, both hands to hold the tea. So they came along. We had um, some little scent boxes, so you could like smell smell all the different flavors that were in your tea, and you gave those um, to the person that came out, and then they came back with your with your tea in these bowl cups, and they put them on the table. And then what happened next? I actually, to this moment, can't figure out how they did it, and I still, I don't think I do want to know. I think it's one of those things that I want to remain a magical mystery. But what they did, they put the tea down, and then I looked down, and a flower, started to bloom on the top of the tea. So the tea was quite, as I say, it was like a watery tea and on top it was, it was rather frothy. Um, and then a flower just started to bloom in the middle of it, like proper in the middle of the cup, spreading out, which was just absolutely lovely to look at. It was very, very pretty. Then you pick the cup up and the flower then dispersed like some wind had come along and just blew all the petals away and it spread out across this big table. So obviously, as I say, it was quite dark. So this was all projection. They are not wizards. <laughs> it was not a real flower that started blooming on my tea, but it was a projection of this beautiful flower. And then the petals blew away and I thought, well, that was lovely. Drank my tea, I was like, great. What a lovely experience. Put the tea down and yes, my friends, another flower started to bloom. And you could kind of go, well, that's reasonably easy to do. You would just put the projection on a loop. But no, I don't know how they did this because I put my cup down in a different place. Completely different. So how? This is, I mean, maybe someone will tell me if they actually listen to the podcast and happen to have been to the Digital Art Museum <laughs> in Japan. But how did it then know where my cup was to then bloom another flower. Baffling. The exact same thing was happening with Jack's tea. And I must say, actually, both of the teas were really yummy. They were very refreshing and just what you needed after probably a good hour and 15 minutes by this point of being lost in a light 
fantastical cavern. <laughs> it's the only way to describe that place. So yeah, absolutely amazing. So what I'm going to do, um, I'm planning to just do podcasts as the, the main sort of media outlet for this this creative endeavour. However, um, obviously podcasts are limited to words and you go, well, you should probably enjoy that restraint. No, no, I can't help myself. I will be putting a video up of my tea blooming and then scattering on YouTube, um, which will be at the same time as this and probably a picture of it on Instagram or something like that as well. So have a little search of pod of tea on YouTube and the blooming tea should come up. Now on that note, I think actually my tea is now ready, so I'm going to have a pour. I wonder if anyone else out there really enjoys the sound of a tea pour. I don't know if the microphone will pick it up, let's find out. Oh my gosh, okay, we've got a tea disaster on the very first one. Oh no, okay, so you obviously can't see what's happening right now. Oh, it's calmed down now. My tiny teapot. Now I'm going to be honest, I usually have a cup of tea, if I have it in a pot, it's because people are around. Um, I used to do like a freelancing club with my friend Hannah and we'd sit there and we'd have a big pot of tea so you know so you don't have to keep getting up to make another one so the I can't actually remember the last time or if ever I used this tiny tiny teapot and what has happened <laughs> is a waterfall of green tea has fallen out of the pot and gone all over the table now that means I'm probably going to have to do a slight pause here while I can clear this up and then carry on so here we go and we're back. Hello, everyone. So, yeah, cri mild crisis, tea-based crisis, where my delicious hot green tea spilled all over the table. Um, pretty classic for me, I'm going to be honest. I'm quite a clumsy person. More so when I'm a bit nervous, I tend to go above and beyond to do things to make the situation even more um, exasperated and bizarre. Anyway, so I'm going to give this a stir. So, as I said, I've put some honey in my green tea. I mean, just nice noises. Very comforting. There we go. So here we go. The first ever tea on a pod of tea podcast. Cheers to you, my friends. Here we go. Mmm. Yeah. Green tea is so nice. It's nice because there's this kind of idea out there that it's quite good for you. No, I don't know how true that is. I have, you know, on occasion Googled. Good old Google, eh? What did we do before? Read? Um, <laughs> I have on occasion Googled the properties of green tea and they say they do all sorts of wonderful things for you. I mean, it does still have quite a lot of caffeine in it. Um, there's a habit of having a more kind of herbal, non-milk based tea when you want to try and avoid caffeine. So if you're trying to avoid caffeine, do not drink green tea. It's got caffeine through and through in it. But yeah, it's nice. It's really yummy and it feels a lot fresher. And you can get a bit bogged down by milk sometimes, I think. <laughs> bogged down by the old milk, my friends. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna have another sip. Hmm. So, me being a bit clumsy. Now, this was a bit of a through line in Japan. So, you obviously have various ideas of how a different culture is. And one of the, um, I mean, is it a stereotype? Probably. One of the stereotypes that I had got in my head was that the Japanese are very polite. And I would say they are very polite. Now, I myself am quite a polite person. So, this was something I was quite happy about. I'm like, yes. Polite people, let's go. Um, now, the issue that I hadn't quite anticipated was how to be polite when you don't really speak Japanese. And when I say I don't really speak Japanese, by the end of the holiday, I could happily order myself and Jack two beers 
And ask for the check. I'm proud of that one. I could ask for the check as well. I'm not going to attempt to do it now because <laughs> who knows if I actually was saying that and if this lovely, polite people were merely going, oh, she's trying. Um, but yeah, so that's the extent of it. I learned how to say hello. Of course, I learned to say please and thank you. And that was about it. Oh, and excuse me. Sumi masen. I'll commit to that one. Sumi masen is how you say excuse me. And that gets you out of all sorts of trouble. So if you want attention, you just go sumi masen. Um, or if you accidentally bump into someone or you drop something and it's in someone's way, <laughs> as you frequently do, I'm sure, um, you can just say that phrase and it's solved. Now, I think the first opportunity of me being a bit nervous in another country and doing something a bit out of sorts was um, we went to a ramen restaurant on the first night. Now, I was pescatarian in Japan. I'm, for the most part, vegetarian. Um, but going to Japan, I just because I've been wanting to go to Japan for years, I thought, okay, I'll eat fish. So there was still a bit of nervousness because obviously a lot of the soup, the ramen, um, will be in a meat-based broth. So there's nervousness there. So we go to this ramen restaurant. I had been Googling, again, um, places that were suitable for my kind of, you know, what I wanted to eat. Um, and we get there and it said that it was quite accessible for people who didn't speak Japanese because they had a vending machine. So this is this is quite common. We found a few places that, did, that did this, restaurants, where the entrance to the restaurant is a vending machine and you basically pick um, what you want to eat, you press the little buttons and a ticket comes out. So really, really simple, really, really easy, you would think. But we get there and I think I'd gotten two restaurants mixed up because everything was in Japanese and unusual for Japan, there were no pictures. So you can get away quite, you know, well with not speaking much Japanese in Japan because they do a lot of menus with photos so you can see what you're eating. Actually to the point that they make, um, in some places, some little models of the food. Quite a lot of places did this actually, like little plastic artistic models of your dishes outside the restaurant. So you can literally, and we did do this on a few times, just take a photo and go in and go, you know, awkward to say, and it works. Um, but this place, so no pictures and just writing and I'm looking at it going, oh God, I'm going to accidentally order something that I can't eat. Um, now, various things happen there, but the, I think the key moment of, oh dear, this has all gone terribly wrong, is when in this vending machine, I decided to put in a 10,000 yen note. So we just got to Japan, we hadn't had a chance to spend much money yet, so we didn't really have any change. And although it doesn't take much of a genius to figure out that a 10,000 yen note equates to around about $100, which is not normally a note that you would put in a vending machine, um, I hadn't clocked this. And I just went, oh my gosh, there's, this, there's a huge queue. I didn't mention this. There was a queue coming all the way out of the restaurant across the road and they had another sign on the other side of the road that people were queuing by. Queuing is great in Japan, it made me very relaxed. <laughs> you were in an orderly queue no matter where you went. Um, so yeah, so you were in a queue. So we'd been waiting for like 20 minutes and there were people behind us waiting and I put in this 10,000 yen note in this tiny restaurant where everyone was sat around a bar where the people were cooking and then people were queuing for those seats right behind them. So you just stood behind people who were eating. I put this note in and the machine of course breaks immediately and it starts beeping and everyone's looking and now I realise that I can't speak Japanese and all they do is stand there and go, 
sumimasen, which is the equivalent of someone breaking something in a shop and just going, excuse me, <laughs> no explanation. I couldn't even say to her, I'm so sorry, I put 10,000 uh, 10, yen in there. I just had to look abashed, quite frankly, and, and say that's what happened, and shake my head in shame. Um, luckily, the staff there were amazing and really, really nice and just ran over, obviously. I mean, I'd like to think maybe I wasn't the first um, tourist to come to Japan and do this in their, in their poor restaurant, but anyway, she came and, and resolved the issue quite quickly and stopped the machine making the horrible, horrible beepy noise, <laughs> which caused everyone to stare. So got back in the queue, ended up queuing up. Then, yeah, I mean, there was various things that happened after that. I tried to stand and leave when people were trying to walk past and it was literally wide enough for one person to get past. So I just bashed into them. I, of course, ordered the wrong thing. Um, yeah, a series of misdemeanors. But I mean, that was the first night and that probably was the peak of uh, me getting things wrong. And then it it kind of calmed down from there. <laughs> and by the end of it, I mean, in the second week, we ended up um, in a little bar. So the bars in Japan, like the bars in the UK tend to be sort of more pubs. So you go in and you can literally go in just to have a drink. You don't, there's no expectation to buy food. I mean, probably a couple of pints in, you're going to want a packet of crisps. You put the crisps in the middle of the table, everyone shares them, la-di-da. In Japan, um, and I might be wrong, we might not have just found the right places, but we found a lot of the bars um, were more for eating and drinking. So you'd be expected to get a small plate of something and a drink. So, and a lot of them, again, like the ramen restaurant, were quite small. So you'd go in and there'd be, you know, maybe five to seven customers already there. And then you'd have to sit right next to them and you're staring at the barkeep and there's, there's not much room else to, to do anything else. Um, so, which is awesome in terms of getting to know people, um, and getting to know the culture, which is great and, um, a really good opportunity for that. But when you're feeling again, a bit sort of more nervous and not sure how to approach things, you don't feel quite as, maybe sometimes it's a bit too intimidating to walk in. So me and Jack didn't really go into too many, but like in Tokyo, we found one metal bar, which was awesome. There was, um, run by this guy. <laughs> this really nice guy and we walked in and it, that was more of like a kind of more a bar that we were used to where there was a bit more space and tables and things and um, they were playing metal but really quietly really quiet soft metal um whilst playing spider-man 3 on some screens so it was i mean i'd got a bit tiddly by this point and i started to announce to jack that we must watch all spider-man movies like this and when we returned to england we would put on soft soft metal <laughs> and watch all of the Spider-Man because it made it really good. Not the Spider-Man, um, I'm talking about the original ones here with Tobey Maguire. Um, I really liked those when I was younger. But yeah, Spider-Man 3 with uh, gentle metal playing in the background was when you've had a few beers was uh, super fun. I digress. So anyway, we, we eventually, in the second week of our holiday, have grown in confidence um, and we end up in Hiroshima um, to go see the peace memorial there, which I won't go into too much detail right now, but was heartbreaking and everything you would expect and very sobering and um, inspiring, I think, was one of the biggest things I felt after that, actually, especially having walked in and then walking out again and seeing what the people have done is just stunning. Anyway, so with that, and I'm going to be honest, that wasn't the place we were expecting to go out and have a, have a night out in Japan. Um, but we went out and I think what helped was we were staying in a hostel there 
So the hostel gave us this piece of paper which explained um, where's a good place to go get, um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a regional dish which is basically a pancake, loads of vegetables, you can have meat and fish on it, we just had loads of vegetables and cheese, um, and then they crack an egg on top as well, and then they put this really nice sauce over all of it. Um, kind of like, I think the closest thing I could describe it to you to what I'd eaten before was like a soy sauce based barbecue sauce, really sweet, really tangy, yummy. So we went and had that, and then on this piece of paper, um, it showed some bar, like the bar area, and we went down there, and we ended up having the best night out we'd had on the whole trip, and met these amazing, amazing people, and we, we were brave enough to go into one of these little bars, we stepped in, and um, the first one we went into, it was a sake bar, and there was just the staff member behind the counter, and we ended up playing music, like she showed us some music that she liked, um, she really likes Ed Sheeran by the way, um, and then we showed us some music that we liked, and that was really fun, and then we went off, and then we found another bar where there was other customers in there, and for the first time on the whole trip, we were sat and we were chatting, I'm going to be honest, the only reason this was possible was because of a Japanese girl called Yumi, um, who could speak really good English. I'm going to be honest, most people in Japan spoke incredible English in terms of just compared to what I could speak in Japanese, but she could speak to the extent that she was like translating for the whole bar. Um, she was a pretty awesome girl. Um, yeah, so then we ended up having lots of chats and all inhibitions had gone by this point. I mean, a, a a glass of wine does help <laughs> with that. Um, a guitar got passed around. The guy behind, the the guy who owned the bar um, served really delicious wine, like a really small wine selection, but really delicious. And those are coffees as well. And we were wondering if that was quite common in Japan to have coffee and wine in the same place. And um, I don't think we quite got to the bottom of that one, but I think, yeah, it was a really nice combo because then, you know, if you've reach the end of your evening you don't necessarily need to move on to have that like sobering cup of caffeine now I don't know about you guys but when I've been on a night out I come night out a wild one I am I'm gonna be honest that doesn't happen that often but when I've when I've been out and about with some some friends of mine um and I've had a few glasses of wine at the old uh, drinking hole I come home and I need a cup of tea usually an old grey I'll sit down and have that and that usually psychologically sets me up to then be okay the next day. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if you guys do that as well, but it's very nice. I'm gonna have another sip of my tea now. Mm -hmm. Now something I didn't factor into um, doing this podcast by myself, and as I said, I envisioned having other people to talk to, and I will in the future. I'm gonna do a few by myself um, so I can get into the swing of things and then I'll get some people I know on, some very interesting people with interesting things to say. And I'm gonna be honest, I know most of them because we will often sit down and drink lots of tea. So it's a good premise. Um, but what I didn't envision is if I do this by myself, there's gonna be these awkward pauses while I drink tea. Here we go. Mmm. Lengthy pause while Emma drinks her tea, but it's really nice, so I'm gonna have to. Yeah, that's Japan. I mean, I could say so much about Japan. It was one of those holidays where you end up doing about 20 million different things in one. So quite often when I've been on a holiday before, it's with the expectation that I'd be doing one type of thing. So for example, snowboarding. I'll go on a snowboarding holiday, just going to snowboard. Um, we went to Dublin, obviously going to go sightseeing, eat some delicious food, meet some cool people, definitely listen to some music, see a lot of bridges. Um, 
So you just have <laughs> expectations like that. Now, Japan, because we'd booked so... We, we got the um, JR Rail Pass, which I'd recommend anyone doing um, if you're going there, meant that we could, we could travel around and see lots of different things. So we went to Tokyo and expected, you know, a big city. We, we both lived in London for eight years, so we kind of had that as a benchmark. And, um, yeah, that helped us, I think, <laughs> stopped us being too overwhelmed by all the lights and the noise and... Um, and it was incredible and fast-paced, and we did Mario VR there, Mario Kart VR. Um, so that futuristic element that you would associate with Japan sometimes, which apparently isn't as true, but um, yeah, that was all there. And then you get on a train, and we ended up going to Hakone, and it was a um, volcanic area of Japan, very rural, um, lots of hot springs. We got on a giant pirate ship sightseeing cruise there, um, and then you end up. Go, we went to a theme. We went to two theme parks. We went to Disney Sea, which was um, that's the only Disney Sea in the whole wide world. So they have a Disneyland Tokyo, similar to what we have in Paris and what we have in America. Um, but Disney Sea is is the only one of its kind. So you go there and you're like, well, this is a completely different experience. It's basically based around lots and lots of ports. So you've got a port with Finding Nemo. Um, and you've got an area with 25,000 leagues under the sea, um, Little Mermaid, of course, and, and it's all based around, it's all sort of looped around this big harbour where they do, that's where they do their end of day parade, which was amazing. So there's all these characters on boats and fireworks, and yeah, it was great. So, and then, and we ended it, um, one of the last things we did was back in Tokyo, back in, in Akihabara, which is electric town, which was just full of, um, electronics and anime and manga and yeah so it was just sort of one extreme to the other so I think that was the overriding thing from Japan is that we ended up doing almost a million holidays in just one trip so I would recommend it fully I'm sure on later podcasts I might pick other things about that trip to go into in more detail um, I came away from Japan not with any sort of property but I did do and I have no shame here. I did do that thing where you go into a hotel and you're like, ah, free tea bags. I will take those if they're interesting. Um, and there were some really interesting ones as we went around. Amenities in Japan are like extreme. Like here you kind of get like a tiny little tomato ketchup style sachet <laughs> of shampoo and one of conditioner if you're in a hotel, if you're lucky. No, that's harsh. Uh, but you do, you know, you, that's kind of, and maybe a little bar of soap. Um, and of course tea. Um, in Japan, they give you, I don't know, what did they give us? There was like toothbrushes with toothpaste, razors, um, hair bubbles, hairbrush, um, everything. I mean, the one one hotel, we picked one kind of hotel to go a bit fancier than we normally would. Um, and that one gave us like free pudding, a free glass of wine. Um, it's crazy. Obviously, you don't end up using all of them. Um, I wouldn't recommend using all of them, it's quite wasteful, but <laughs> it was just quite cool to see all of that, and in a couple of them they had some really nice tea selections, so different flavours, like tea with uh, strawberry, like fruits and mango, and yeah, it was lovely. So that was Japan, I think I'm going to wrap things up here then guys, for the first um, Pod of Tea podcast, lots of it, I've gone on a right old ramble there, which is pretty much what happens usually when I have a cup of tea, so this is quite nice, it's like I'm having tea in a chat with a load of people that I cannot see. <laughs> Hello to you all. Um, so I have set up a Gmail account and that is podoftea at gmail.com. So that's P-O-D-O-F, 
tea at gmail.com and I was wondering if you're listening if you'd be up for sending me some tea recommendations um, on the first part or just say hi feel free to just drop me an email and say hi but yeah tea based recommendations um, I imagine this to be quite a journey of trying lots of different teas this podcast um, it's going to be bi-weekly so every fortnight I'll be releasing a new episode um, the next one is going to be themed around Christmas I expect there's lots of Christmas based beverages that we can try um, delicious teas that are spiced with cinnamon and apple um, so I'll do another one on that and um, yeah very soon I'll be roping some of my friends in so if you're listening I've probably got my eye on you <laughs> to get you on my podcast But yeah, for now, guys, so long. I'm going to finish up this green tea and I'll see you soon. Bye.